Hello, and welcome to the First Baptist Hanford podcast. Our primary mission at FBH is to love God, love people, and serve the world. We hope that this weekly podcast will encourage you in your daily walk with Christ as we play for you our most recent sermon audio. Let's have a listen. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm a senior pastor here at, uh, at FBH. We're just glad to have you, um, and I'm really glad that Jeff is back because you don't realize how much other people do until they're gone. Um, and so, man, super thankful that that guy's back from uh, his, his very long vacation, which I will be denying of him in the future. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jeff, wherever you are. Yeah, I'm just kidding, buddy. Um, but uh, we are continuing our series in Oikos. Um, and for those of you who are new with us today and don't know what that word means outside of uh, yogurt that is sometimes tasty, um, Oikos is a Greek word. And that Greek word uh, means household. And so we are walking through this series called Oikos because we at FBH believe that each and every one of us has a household, has people that have been intentionally placed on the front burner of our lives. The way that we would say it is that we believe that God has both supernaturally and strategically placed people on the front burner of your life to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And so last week, we started into this series, um, and, uh, and you saw Erica's video, and we'll get that up on Facebook. And Erica was somebody um, who, and I don't know her whole story in detail, I've heard it, but um, I forgot it. Sorry, Erica wherever you are. Um, but, uh, but largely she was invited to church um, by numerous people in our congregation. She came to faith because of the fact that people, Christians, cared enough to invite her to church and not just invite her to church, but honestly speak truth into her life. And really that is what the Oikos principle is all about. You know, uh, if if you're a Christian today, if you're in here today and you would say that Jesus is your savior, I want you to take a second. We're going to do a little audience participation here. I know everybody freaks out a little bit when we go to audience participation, but you only have to talk to people that you're next to. So if you brought your spouse, you're in luck. If you didn't, sorry, meet a stranger. Um, but <clears throat> what I want you to do is I want you to think of the one or two people that you would say are mostly responsible for where you're at in your faith with Christ today. Okay, I want you to think about that for a second, and I want you to just turn and tell the person next to you who those one or two people are. Ready, go. Okay, so I only asked you to share two names, and there's a lot more conversation going on than two names. So... The reality is, though, about with, with church and with following Christ, and we talked about this last week, is the vast majority of people don't come to faith because of people like me. The vast majority of people come to faith because of people that they know, nor, normal people that they know, uh, not pastoral people or anything like that, um, who, who they simply are friends or family or, or coworkers or, or, you know, they're a parent, uh, a friend of a parent. Maybe they're in scouts with you or maybe they're in, uh, you know, on a soccer team or whatever it may be. Just people that you know. That's largely how most people come to faith. 
there's a, uh, there's a story of a lady who has an unusual salvation story. Her name is Cheryl, and um, she was laying on her couch. It was a Saturday night, laying on her couch, um, and um, all of a sudden, you know, late night television comes on, and it's one of those uh, uh, um, churches that televise on a Saturday night, right? And so she got up to turn it off because uh, most of the time, especially on late on a Saturday night, that's not what those people are looking to engage in. So she got up, she, uh, she went to turn it off, and just as she went to turn it off, the preacher on TV said, there you are, laying on the couch, you're 30 years old, you're just as miserable as you can be. All you've ever wanted is to be happy, but you'll never be happy until you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So she ended up get putting, placing her faith in Christ that night, right? Now, if only it could always be that simple. If only we could say as Christians, you know what? Don't come to church. Stay up real late on a Saturday night until a televangelist comes on TV and just listen to him. And then everything will be taken care of. Like that's not, a sal- that's not a normal salvation story. Actually, statistics tell us that upwards of 88% of people come to faith because of, the, because of somebody in their oikos, because of somebody who cares enough to share with them. For me, uh, it was, I was born into a Christian family. Uh, my mom and dad took me to church for the first time on Easter Sunday. I was about four weeks old at that point. Actually, that's not true. I was about six weeks old at that point. Um, I'm not going to tell you when my birthday is because I got fact checkers in here who will go home and say, no, oh, you were wrong. It was seven weeks, whatever. Um, but that was the first time that I was able to go to church. And then they were consistently intentional with bringing myself and bringing my brother to church on a regular basis. And so it wasn't just the two of them though. It was those two, but then there were also other people in my life. And if you were here last week, I gave you the whole rundown of all the people in my life who have, con- who have encouraged me in my faith. And that wasn't an exhaustive list. But there are other people along the way that led me to a place of a saving faith in Christ that have helped lead me to a place where I am today. And it's an incredibly encouraging thing. And for most of us in here, that's usually how it works. And it may not be you were born into a Christian home or anything like that, but largely you have people in your life who have encouraged you to a point of a saving faith in Christ. That's what you just shared with the person that you're sitting next to this morning. It's the idea that, hey, there are a couple people who really are responsible for where I am today. Actually, next week we have an incredible interview. It's, uh, it's Cody Swaim. We interviewed him, and so he's going to be our video next week. And he's got a fascinating story um, about people who were just intentional with him in his life, people that he already knew. So if you don't come back for the message, come back for the two-minute video we have, and you can bomb out of here, okay? Make sure you pick up your vegetables as you go. Um, but... A lot of us came to church in many different ways. And, and a few of us are here because God led us, you know, the still small voice of the spirit. But the majority, are, uh, the majority of us are here because one day someone who cared about you invited you enough to come. And one of the best reasons we should invite people to church is simply because it works. There's a reason that Jesus established the church before he was gone forever or gone for until the next time he comes. Sorry, don't quote that theology. (laughs) But there's a reason he set up the local church. 
The hope of the world is the local church. And so the reason it was set up that way is simply because it worked. Today's scripture is gonna give us even some better reasons to be intentional with our oikos. And so we're gonna be in John chapter one today. If you guys have your Bibles, you can flip them open. You can tap your phone open to John chapter one. We use NIV here to teach out of. So if you're curious about that, you can go to the right translation on your phone if that's what you wanna do. Uh, as long as you stay off of Facebook and Instagram, we allow that. So, or go ahead, I don't care. Okay, oikos defined. Uh, like I said before, oikos, we would say uh, God has both supernaturally and strategically, can you guys say that? Supernaturally and strategically placed eight to 15 people in your relational world to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And the reason church works, the reason oikos works is because Jesus is our model. That's your first blank. Jesus is our model for this. He's the model for every good and decent thing that we ought to do. And that includes inviting people to come and see him. So John chapter one, verses starting in verses 35, we're gonna bomb all the way down through 43. It says, the next day, John was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb of God. This John that we're talking about here is John the Baptist. Okay, so don't confuse him with the one who wrote the gospel. But he's sitting there with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by and he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Now, a lot of us are familiar, relatively familiar with this text. If you've been in church for a while, this is the beginning of Jesus, uh, Jesus calling his disciples to follow him. And Jesus obviously gets the credit here, right? Jesus is the one saying, hey, come and follow me. Hey, come and follow me. But something that we kind of glaze over oftentimes is the idea that, that Jesus, or Andrew found Jesus first. And Andrew, like a good brother, decided, you know what? My brother needs to know this. And so I'm going to go tell my brother. Jesus found Philip then. That's because Jesus is not only the sacrificial lamb, he died to take away the sin of the world. Jesus is also the good shepherd on top of that who came to find his lost sheep. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus found Philip. Now, for those of you who would say that you follow Jesus in here, I'm gonna ask you a very simple, but hopefully a very rhetorical question. Aren't you glad that Jesus found you? And it's a simple question, but at the same time, it is such a profound thing. And for those of you in here who don't yet know Jesus, and you're like, you know what? Look, Christians, you're, you're, you kind of have your own language. You're a little weird sometimes. 
right? Leah said fellowship in the video a couple times. And some of you were like, fellowship, what is that? Don't you mean hang out, right? Like, what does that word mean? Like, like I get it, you're on the outside looking in and it's something that we can do our best to express to you what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what Jesus has done in our lives. But that being said, until you are a part of the family of God, you will never fully understand what it means. And it's a hard truth and it's a real truth because it's like, it's like we're not trying to not let you into the club. We're not trying to hide secrets or anything, but it's not us. It's not us who we're trying to like close the door or hold the door shut or anything like that. Our goal really is to invite as many people into the kingdom of God as we possibly can. But that being said, you're never going to experience, fully experience the grace and love of God until you are a part of the club. It's just how it works. But Jesus talks to Philip. Jesus tells Philip, follow me. And Philip said, I will. But not only did Philip say, say it, he did it. So in verses 45 and 46, we see Philip finding Nathanael. Philip finds Nathanael and told him, starting in verse 45, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Now, I have a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, I used to be in Southern California. And when I said that, man, God's really calling me to Hanford, um, no one quoted this verse specifically. But a lot of people were like, Hanford? What's Hanford? And then on top of that, there's some mispronunciations. Handford, what's Handford, right? They threw the D in there and then someone thought that there was an M in there for a little while. I was like, what's Hamford? Like, no, Hanford, right? And so it really is to say, hey, look, Jesus called me to this place. I get an opportunity to come from here. And then I just subtly remind him, like, you live in the desert. There's nothing green down there. There's nothing redeeming about where you live. So get off your high horse, okay? Because we have the best darn ice cream and the best darn fruit in the entire world. So I'm just saying. Also something about dairies. So for your dairymen out there, don't get upset. Also the best milk. I don't know. <laughs> but Philip invited his friend to Jesus. He simply invited his friend to Jesus. And, and I'm not saying with this whole series, this whole Oikos series, this isn't easy. This is, this is kind of hard. And it's for, it, it, it forces us to get out of our own comfort zones. It forces us to get out of our own ways oftentimes. It forces us to, to, to just be uncomfortable. I mean, think about when you come home from work, right? You come, or, or anywhere for that matter. You come home from work, you approach your garage, you push your garage button in the safety of your car, you drive into your garage, you push that button again, the garage door closes behind you, you get out of your car and you go into your house and you never talk to the people around you. You never talk to the people who may be mowing their front yard next to you. It's so easy for us to get caught up in that. So it really is difficult and it takes effort. But Philip went and found Nathaniel. And we don't know how long this took, right? It's like they had cell phones at that point, like, hey, Nathaniel, where are you at? Oh, I'm chilling under an olive tree, right? Like he never, that never took place. We don't know how long this took. 
But it was a whole lot harder to find people in those days. And the only way that Philip found Nathaniel was by some dedicated and intentional effort. He went out of his way to find him because he couldn't wait to share this news. And church, sadly, we live in such a time that it is busy and we tend to simply either forget to invite people or simply don't wanna do it because we're so uncomfortable with it. But God wants us to be intentional about it. God wants us to invite our friends, our family, our coworkers. He wants us to. It might be someone that you've known for years or it might be a brand new friend, but it's going to take some intentional effort and intentional preparation. I mean, if you look at the scripture, Philip had an answer ready for Nathaniel, right? In verse 39, it says, come and see. You know, that's exactly what Jesus says to Andrew and John back up in verse 39. So Jesus really is our model for inviting other people to Christ in his church, but he's not just a great example because that would fall short of the credit that he deserves. See, we do oikos because Jesus is our savior. We do oikos because Jesus is our savior. John 1, 45 and 46. We already read it. We're going to read it again. Philip found Nathanael. There's a lot of truth right there. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. And Philip's response was simply, come and see. We found him. Philip said, and I know that Philip was talking about the Messiah because that's what Andrew told his brother back in verses 40 and 41, where it says, one of the two heard John speak and followed him. It was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I mean, can we take a second and just appreciate Andrew for a second, right? Andrew is the one responsible for introducing Peter to Jesus. And now Andrew gets introduced as Simon Peter's brother. Like, that's pretty rough, man. Like I'm a little brother. I don't know if any of you have like younger sibling syndrome like I do, but I'm like, no, I am not Michael's brother. Peter is, Michael is Peter's brother is the way it actually works. So Andrew goes out of his way though to tell his brother, 41, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated is the Christ. That word Messiah, it actually comes from a Hebrew word that simply means anointed. So for those of you who are taking your own notes in the margin, okay, Messiah means anointed. And it's actually found 39 times in the Old Testament. But most of those times uh, that it's, most of the time it's translated as anointed because it's talking about the anointed Old Testament, like priests and kings and that sort of thing. Only two times though in the Old Testament is the word translated directly as Messiah. And both of those times are in Daniel 9, when the angel Gabriel, Gabriel gave Daniel a very specific prophecy about when the Messiah would come. It's in Daniel 9, 25 and 26. It says, now there, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the prince, Messiah, the prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again, the wall even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. He was talking about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins there. Jesus is the one and only promised Messiah. And there are hundreds of prophecies about him in the Old Testament. 
In fact, hundreds of those prophecies have already been fulfilled by Jesus. And one day, all of them will be fulfilled by him. I know it's like, it's July. We just finished celebrating 4th of July and that sort of thing. But I'm so fascinated by the prophecy of Jesus that we, we this Christmas time, I know you're like, get out of here. It's 107 degrees today. Do not talk about Christmas. When we're all bundled up in our jackets and that sort of thing, in December, we're going to get the opportunity to look at Old Testament prophecy concerning the birth of Christ. So I know that's way out and it's really, really far away, but that's the direction that we're going. But regardless, uh, verse 45 It says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, he's a son of Joseph. We have found the Messiah. Christians, you have found the Messiah, the promised one, the coming king, the one and only savior of the world. We have found him. He has found us. We have taken the opportunity to choose to follow him every single day. But the reality is, is there's a lot of people who don't yet know him. There are people in here who don't yet know him. And if that's you, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're listening. But we do oikos because the need is real. We do oikos because the need is real. In 47 and 48, It says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. 48, Nathanael, with one of the most short-sighted questions in the New Testament, how do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus in his head's like, I'm the son of God, duh. They didn't write that down. Jesus answered though, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. In these verses, we find that Jesus had already taken the measure of Nathanael's life, even though they had never met face to face. And Jesus could do that because he wasn't just a man. Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. Your theological phrase for the morning would be hypostatic union. That's what that's called, God being full, or Jesus being fully God and fully man, not 50 50, 100 100. Jesus had already taken the measure of his life and Nathanael got some good marks. He was a good man. He called him an Israelite indeed. And that was a huge compliment in that day. It was a mark of honor probably that man, you're a good Israelite. Nathanael was superlative, right? In the back of the yearbook, maybe like best Israelite written down for Nathanael. He was sincere, and Jesus said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no, is no, sorry, behold, an Israelite indeed where there is no deceit. He was sincere. He was spiritual. Verse 48, Jesus talked about before Philip called you, I saw you. Now in those times, a fig tree was a place of prayer. A fig tree was a a place of study. So Nathaniel got very good marks from Jesus for doing the things that he was supposed to do, for being a good person, for being a good Israelite. But Jesus takes full and complete measure of his life. 
full and complete measure of his life. One of the hardest things about being a pastor, especially somebody who does funerals and that sort of thing. I mean, ask any pastor, doing a funeral for somebody who doesn't know Jesus or didn't know Jesus is one of the hardest things to do because you have to do your best to stir up some sort of hope. But at the same time, all you can talk about is how good they were on earth. You don't get an opportunity to talk about their salvation, to talk about that they are with Jesus forever in good conscience. Now we can stand up here and lie, but that would mean that we're pretty bad at our jobs. And so it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. So Nathaniel wasn't just, I mean, up to this point, he was just a good person, but Jesus took full measure of his life. And Jesus is measuring our lives too. I listened to a song this morning called Mediator, where Jesus, it talks about in scripture that Jesus is our mediator. He stands between us and God. He is the one who reconciled that relationship forever as he hung on the cross for our sins. The reality is, is that Jesus is taking a full measure of every single one of our lives, not just those of us who call him Lord, everyone, all of us. And we should be thinking about this every single day and when we do, one of the most important things we see is that we don't measure up. We never measure up. As good as he was, Nathaniel wasn't perfect. If he had walked away from Jesus, Nathaniel never would have made it to heaven. If he had said, no, you're not the Messiah. I want to go back to hanging out under my tree over here. We need to be thinking about it every single day. Everybody needs a savior. And that's why we have to be incredibly careful. Some of the nicest, sweetest, most honest people you know, we know, may be just as lost as they can be. They'll never make it to heaven without Jesus and neither will we. Because we don't measure up. Scripture is incredibly clear about that. We do not measure up. But that's pretty downer. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, that's like the, the, the downer part of my message. The good news is, is we do oikos because the future is miraculous. We do oikos because the future is miraculous. In the closing verses of this chapter, um, Jesus began to focus on the miraculous future that's in store for everyone who believes in him. And so backing up a little bit, I'll we'll just start in 49. It says, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Verse 50, you will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. By verse 49, Nathanael had placed his faith in Christ. He had trusted in the Lord. And he showed his faith when he said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. But that was just the beginning. Because if we look back at 50 and 51, Jesus talks about all of the things that the future holds for him, that you will see greater things than these. You will see greater things than me telling you where you were. You will see greater things than these. 
Jesus was promising a miraculous future for Nathaniel and everyone else who believes in Jesus. But to understand that promise in, in 51, we go back 4,000 years to the story of Jacob in Genesis. And so real quick as an aside, for those of you who are like, you know what, I don't, I don't engage in the Old Testament uh, because I'm just all about Jesus. So I'm just gonna read, you know, I'm gonna start in Matthew, um, go all the way. I'm gonna stop short of Revelation though because it confuses me. So I'm not gonna go into Revelation. Like what, our understanding of the New Testament is rooted in the Old, okay? So you have to engage in both of those things. But that was, that was just an aside. So we have to go back 4,000 years ago, back to Genesis, to understand that Jacob had lied and tricked his older brother Esau out of his birthright and his blessing. Okay, so for those of you guys who know this story, okay, that's where we're going with this. It was about the worst thing that Jacob could actually do. And Esau planned to, to kill his conniving brother just as soon as their dad was dead. And that's why Jacob ran away to live with his uncle. So you can read through all of this. It's back in Genesis. And on the way, Jacob stopped for the night in the countryside, and Jacob had nothing but rocks for a pillow. I don't know if any of you slept poorly last night, but you weren't sleeping on a rock for a pillow, unless you did something mean to your wife, in which case you may have been switched out. I don't know. But laying there in the wilderness, Jacob had nothing, didn't have a single thing but his shepherd's staff. And the reality was that Jacob had everything he needed because all he needed in that moment was God. So God appears to him in, in a dream in Genesis 28. I'm gonna read through it quickly, verses 12 to 17. It said, then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on earth and its top reached to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. That verbiage sound familiar there in verse 12? 14, also your descendants shall be of the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Nathaniel would have known this story. Nathaniel was a good Israelite. Fast forward back to him. And Jesus was saying, Nathaniel, you remember Jacob's ladder? You remember that dream that Jacob had where angels are ascending and descending right there? I'm the ladder. I'm the way to heaven. I'm the only way to heaven, and one day you will see it. You can have heaven. You can live in heaven forever because you believe in me. He's using scripture to talk, to speak truth into Nathaniel's life. This is the infinite, miraculous future that's in store for every single person who believes in Christ. And that's why we do oikos, because the future is miraculous. Nathaniel is in heaven right now because his friend Philip invited him to come and see Jesus. 
I am saved right now because my parents cared enough to get me in church on a regular basis and live out their faith. I saw they were intentional with me. They were intentional with my brother. That's why Eric, er, Eric, Erica, sorry. That's why Erica gets to be glorified in eternity forever because of the fact that we had people who were intentional with her. That's why Leah, who we saw today, cares enough to bring people into the fold, to invite people into church or into our small group, which has been just a consistent like front door to people getting plugged into our church. And Oikos doesn't work apart from being intentional. It doesn't. We cannot passively bring people to Jesus. It's not one of those things that you're just like, oh yeah, and Jesus is the son of, the son of God and you just keep going, right? And you're like, oh, my life has been restored. Thank you. Like that's not how you have to be intentional with, us, with, with people. It's one of the reasons that, that man, I mean, even today, some of you walked in and you saw our, our new tables in the foyer and that sort of thing. And some of you are happy with them. Some of you are like, what? Um, and that's fine, but that's what we want to encourage community. We want to encourage people talking with one another to create spaces where people can come and, and, you know, Hey, let's talk about the weather all the way down to let's talk about your failing marriage with one another. We have to continue to be intentional with that. It's the other reason that we're pushing small groups so hard. That's why for those of you who are on the edge of small groups, you're like, man, I don't know if it's for me. It is. If you're not plugged into an intentional community, get plugged into an intentional community. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where oikos works. And maybe one of the things that's, that's stopping you from inviting people to Jesus is simply the intimidating factor of church. A lot of us have been in here forever, been in church forever. And so church doesn't bother us. We're not afraid of church or anything like that. But to others, it may be a really intimidating thing. They're coming into a culture they don't understand. They don't get. We speak a different language, like I said earlier. And so maybe it's, it's man, small groups, inviting them to sit around my dinner table with me. And depending on who you are, share a good meal or a mediocre meal. To be able to sit around and do those things, to be intentional with those people. Philip and Nathaniel had a relationship already. Andrew and Peter had a relationship already. And so it wasn't a weird thing when one of them shared the greatest news that they had ever heard with the other. But they didn't do it passively. They sought them out. They found them. And they shared the message of salvation with them. It was a normal thing. It was an absolutely normal thing. So last week in our programs, we handed out these things, Oikos cards. If you have them, go ahead and pull them out. If not, we have a ton of them available at guest services. We're not going to run out. But last week I asked you, what I asked you to do is I said, don't fill this out yet. Don't fill it out. I want you to take it home and I want you to pray over an empty list and say, God, who is it? that you have placed on the front burner of my life. Who are those people? And so I'm gonna give you a new challenge this week is hopefully you've been preparing your heart for a week. And so this week I want you to go home and I want you to fill this out, okay? Now, if you're not looking at it in front of you, real quick, 
There's 15 slots on here. Shocking, I know, staggering how we could get to that number. Um, But it's divided into four different categories. Now, this card is simply supposed to work for you. If you read the categories, you're like, that's confusing. Cross them off. Don't use the categories. Simply pray for people. And then, then take opportunities to be able to bring them to the Lord or talk about Jesus. But the first section up here says pre-Christians. And those really are people in your oikos who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus. People who, who are living apart from God, who've never been apart from God, or who, who have never been with God or anything like that. They're people who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus. Second one is prodigals, right? Uh, and it's believers who are not actively pursuing their faith. My guess is, is that a lot of us in here know quite a few prodigals. Maybe you're related to them. Maybe they're your kids, your siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, spouses. I don't know. But my guess is, is that's probably the largest group of people in your oikos currently, is people who we would consider quote-unquote prodigals. Next one is purpose, purposefuls, and those are people who are actively already pursuing their faith. And so some people are like, wait, I have to know eight to 15 people who don't yet know Jesus? No, the first, set, or first six lines on my personal Oikos card is my immediate family. And most of them know, have accepted Christ as their savior and doing their best to pursue him on a regular basis, okay? So those are purposeful. The last one is potentials. And those are people who seem to be showing up on the front burner of your life on a regular basis, right? These are people who maybe they're teachers, your kids have them for a year. You're like, okay, well, maybe that's somebody that I need to invest in. Maybe these aren't people that you know. Maybe you don't even know the names of them. That's why last week I shared that my number 14 on here was, um, was cop family, I think is what it said, right? That I don't know their names, but I know they're in my immediate vicinity and they keep showing up on the front burner of my life. So maybe I need to actually do something about it. So I would say today, Tonight, tomorrow morning, whenever it is that you get an opportunity to find some time with Jesus, I would say, take this out. And again, if you don't have one, pick one up on the way out. We got some big stacks back there that you can just grab one or five or whatever. I don't care, as long as you use them. And start praying for those people. There's instructions right on the left-hand side. We've made this as simple as we can possibly make this for you. But at some point, we simply have to be intentional about going and finding them. This is as far as we can go. We can encourage you, we can pray for you, but this is as far as we can go. At some point, if you call Jesus Christ your savior, it's your responsibility to take up the mantle in the same way that it's your responsibility to continue to pursue Jesus. Part of the pursuit of Jesus is sharing him with other people. And we need to make that the forefront of our minds as we continue to deepen our faith as well. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father, God, we, uh, man, we thank you for your, we thank you for your word and just the truth of those stories. The truth um, that you have preserved for thousands of years for us, for the opportunity to even know the names of Andrew and Peter and Philip and Nathaniel. People who were impacted by your son in a very real way and impacted in such a way that they went and sought out others to tell them about him. That it wasn't something that, that at least as far as we know, that they even hesitated with. They said, I met the Messiah. I met the one who is going to be the savior of the world. 
And so, Lord, I pray that we would recognize that. Lord, I pray we would recognize the importance of that. I pray that your son, his name would be on our lips as we engage intentionally with the people that we have in our lives. And so, God, for, for those of you who are in here who don't yet know Jesus, who would say, you know what, I haven't yet placed my faith in Christ, or maybe falling into the prodigal category of somebody who uh, placed their faith in Christ a while ago, but have walked away, or even recently walked away. Father, I pray that they would just pray along with me, that A, that they would admit that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, that we mess up all the time, we mess up every day, we're always going to be apart from you. And so, God, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But I also believe, Father, that you sent your Son to die on the cross on our behalf, on my behalf, to be able to be that mediator, to be able to stand between you and us. So, God, I believe you sent him to die on that cross and ultimately conquer death and see that I would choose to follow him every single day that I choose to wake up and deepen, do my best to deepen my relationship with you. And God, for those in here who are regularly following you, I think that plays into the same vein that choosing to follow you isn't simply deepening our breadth of knowledge. God, that choosing to follow you is making your name known and intentionally known with those people that you've already placed into my life, Father. God, I pray that you would make our congregation one that is bold, one that's willing to share about you, talk about you, love you. To be willing to love people enough to simply tell them about the greatest news we've ever heard. And that wouldn't simply just be an amen on a Sunday morning, but it would work its way into our lives the rest of the week. Father, we love you so much. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon. Music was by the band Broke for Free. And if you would like more information about our church, feel free to check out fbhanford.org. That's fbhanford.org. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.